Blog Talk Radio. Hey, welcome to Snake Oil Radio. This is host Jim Ventura. Uh, thanks for joining me today. Uh, today's show is going to be kind of an interesting one, a little bit of a departure from what I normally do. Well, maybe not a departure from what I normally do, maybe just a little bit of a, uh, a different angle at this point. Uh, let me tell you a little bit about the show. If it is your first time tuning in, uh, I am a, an or- I'm a professional oracle reader. I'm an astrologer. I have expertise in tarot cards and numerology and, and uh, animal cards and quite a few different types of oracles that I've worked with for many, many, many years. I'm also a writer. I write a monthly column called Snake Oil, which if anyone is not receiving that directly, uh, that is free. So you can just email me at uh, VenturaWords at Mac.com or at VenturaSage at Yahoo.com. All that info is on my link page to Blog Talk Radio, and you can get my column each month. Uh, you know, I typically, uh, Snake Oil is about looking at life from an alternative perspective. I have been immersed in metaphysical thought since I am, uh, since I was fairly young. Uh, I started studying pretty early uh, into uh, the metaphysical uh, experiences uh, I began to look at when I was 16 or 17. Uh, so I have quite a bit of expertise in this area because I'm in my early 40s and have really been at this for a long time. So the Snake Oil column, as well as Snake Oil Radio, is really about looking at life from uh, this different perspective and what people would perceive to be. Snake Oil, to me, is actually really, when when used correctly and, and well, is really, in essence, reality and really does uh, help you to see how things truly are in that sense. Um, So what I do uh, for my show is I typically will read my monthly column and then I will talk about whatever that subject is. I do, if anyone uh, has followed me either through the radio show or through my column over the years, they will know that I do not shy away from, from a little bit of controversy in the sense that to me all subjects are relevant. Uh, whether they be political, emotional, spiritual, psychological, sexual. Uh, yeah, there's no issue with talking about things. And I do um, like to address real uh, themes and issues as well as metaphysical subjects to help people to tune into another side of life that will really, in essence, empower them, which is really what my work and my writing is about. I'm looking at helping people to uh, become more empowered and more... Um, fulfilled and to trust their own higher self and their own wisdom and uh, and really to know that deep inside we all do have the answers, we do have a connection to our source and are able to, uh, you know, get um, insight and awareness in terms of what is right for us. So this month's column, um, I'm going to talk a little bit about, I'm going to read the column in just a few minutes and then I will, I want to talk about a little bit of uh, some experiences connected with that. 
Uh, and then I will welcome callers um, or anyone who is in the chat room is uh, welcome to answer questions. Be aware that if you're in the chat room and you're listening live, uh, anything you ask me will be answered on air as opposed to me typing because I am a bit spastic about uh, <laughs> typing and talking at the same time, which I think is probably understandable. Um, or you can call in live. And, and after I finish reading my, um, my month's column, I will give you that call-in number for anyone wanting to call in and ask questions. Uh, yes, you can ask questions about the subject matter that we're getting into, obviously, or anything else, including uh, you know, people who ask a personal question. I can do a little quickie five-minute mini-reading um, for them as well. We have no problem with doing that, even if it's not related to the subject at hand. So um, what I had decided to do this month is I had, uh, I, I, instead of my normal snake oil column, I decided to use a piece from my first published book, which has been in print for almost a year now, called Dirty Little Secrets. And I am going to talk a little bit more about that as well, too, throughout the show. But I decided to run a piece from directly from Dirty Little Secrets because a lot of the subject matter I have been talking about over the last few months has been a little on the more difficult side, which is a reflection back to a lot of the difficulty people have been going through with the economy and you know personal and emotional struggles. 2008 was kind of a bitch in the sense of a difficult year, and uh, as you can obviously figure out, I don't tend to mince words. And 2009, you know, yeah, still we're we're coming out of the difficulty, but you know, a lot of people have gone through quite a bit of difficulty. So the piece I decided to run is really kind of a, a lighter piece and something that was very fun that I wrote actually back in 1993. And again, it does appear in my first book, Dirty Little Secrets. So let's dive right in and I want to read to you my monthly column and a passage from one of the 34 essays in Dirty Little Secrets. And this piece is called Light as a Feather, Stiff as a Board. The room was dark. The only light came from the eerie glow of a few candles carefully placed. The candles were powerful enough to create a sense of mystery and a slight fear in everyone present. Most importantly, darkness was essential to the ceremony. We hung a blanket over the window, blocking out the afternoon sun. In our imaginations, it was midnight. There were all kinds of candles carefully placed around the room with different colors and different shapes. One was shaped like Santa Claus, one was a Mickey Mouse candle, and the rest were simply votive candles that created a magical glow in the room. The stage was set, and anticipation filled the air. It was time to begin a preteen social circles attempt at levitation. Childhood for me was a time of experimentation. I was attracted to the occult. There was something about its danger and mystery that was compelling. My friends and I considered ourselves brave and daring, or at least we convinced ourselves we were. Shows like The Night Stalker and movies about witches and magic were part of our lives. We had decided to be characters in our own show. There were seven of us, mostly kids around the age of 11 or 12. Unfortunately, one or two little sisters and brothers were impossible to get rid of, so we made the best of it. Whatever possessed us to corral ourselves up in someone's bedroom while their parents were at work eludes me now. The sun was shining, it was a beautiful day. Instead of playing outside, we were driven to lock ourselves up inside my friend Pam's room. The idea seemed to top everything that other normal kids were doing. If 
probably took longer to persuade everyone to calm down and get into the room than it took to perform our experiment. One person was chosen to be magically lifted into the air. The chunkiest kid volunteered first. After a series of vicious and sarcastic comments like a crane couldn't even lift her and the laughter had died down, we chose an average-sized person. A subject lay on the floor ready to be levitated. The most important choice was who would hold the head and tell the story of the person's tragic death. I'm not sure where this rule came from, but it made the whole thing even more exciting. A tragic, violent, and hopefully terrifying tale was to be spun about how the person we would levitate had died. Only the most talented and psychotic storyteller could handle the job. There were two candidates for this position. I had to only battle one person, and she was a formidable foe. Pam was the second loudest character in our group, and it was her house and her bedroom. The rights to job should have been hers. I did my best to convince everyone that I was the man for the job. I don't remember what devious methods I used, but I do remember I won. After Pam finished pouting, I persuaded her to take a position at the right shoulder of the young man we were going to levitate. Everyone was instructed to place only two fingers from each hand under the subject's body. Again, the giggling began. For some reason, just touching each other started us laughing. Threats of physical beatings given by older and stronger among us calmed everyone down. We were almost ready to begin. There was still one fly in the ointment. Pam's little brother had a case of the giggles brought on by a problem with gas. He was thrown out of the room and pounded, and we lit the last of the candles. A few minutes later, he beat on the door crying to get back in. I promise I won't fart or giggle anymore. Please let me play, begged Pam's brother. We knew he would listen to what we said now and hopefully plug up his mouth and other problem parts. The bewitching hour was upon us. It was 2.15 in the afternoon. I began to weave my tale of the tragic death of our subject. I did my best to come up with the most outrageous story imaginable. Unfortunately, I said something to get everyone laughing again. Although it took a while to get the group to calm down, it was the last necessary tension breaker. This was the last chance to back out of the experiment. We trudged onward, for science and more importantly, for a cool story to tell our friends at school. As my story progressed, even I was amazed at how sadistic and violent a scene I could orally create. Something related to murderous rampages perpetrated by a twisted imaginary killer. Everyone was instructed to repeatedly chant the phrase, light as a feather, stiff as a board. The room was quiet. As we began our lift, our subject floated into the air as if by magic. We were amazed at our incredible powers. As we slowly brought him down, the intense quiet move was broken by the sound of everyone talking at once. We could not believe how amazing this was. We'd bridged the gap between the paranormal and everyday life. We'd successfully levitated our friend high in the air. Our experiment had worked. We all took turns that afternoon. Everyone got to fly high in the air. Even I was lifted high above the ground. We believed that the fat girl would be a more difficult feat. But we did that also. She was most excited of all. She got to be light as a feather. I'm sure that meant more to her than any of us could ever have imagined. The experiment was a success. We were gifted occultists with powers beyond mere mortals. As we were beginning another round of levitation, our day was interrupted when a nosy, red-headed mother got home early from work and opened the door and let the light of day break the spell in the room. She seemed madder and more psychotic than the killer I had used in one of the stories I had created that afternoon. She pushed through the room, 
pulled down the blanket, and extinguished our candles. Like vampires, we shrieked at the light of day and feared for our lives. A pissed-off mother's nothing to make light of. How dare she interrupt our metaphysical breakthrough, even if it was her house. Little did she know she would be used as an extra, killed off quickly and violently in many stories to follow. My friends and I talked about that day for many years afterwards. The reality is, we probably didn't do anything all that amazing. Six children would not really have had any trouble lifting someone who weighs 70 pounds, even with only two fingers. But in our eyes, we had done something monumental. The fact that seven of us got together quietly and completed a group task was incredible in its own right. Now, sometimes when I see little kids playing together, I stop and I watch them. I wonder if they experiment in similar ways like we did when we were children. I guess I'll never know. Even if they do, they certainly wouldn't tell an adult. I think it's better that way. I think magic is still alive and well. Who knows how many children are flying high above, high in the air right now while their friends chant. Light as a feather, stiff as a board. Okay, so that is my, that was one of the pieces from Dirty Little Secrets. Uh, I wrote, again, I actually wrote that back in 1993. It was one of the earlier writing pieces I had done. Uh, and, you know, I, I know my client seems to get a kick out of it. It's a, it's a cute piece, um, and I, I, did, I do like to be honest about um, some of the uh, brutal perspectives that, that children take when they, in, in terms of perception when they're younger. Uh, uh, as a writer, I tend to be very blunt and, and very honest about the way uh, people talk and, and the way things were perceived. So I wonder how many people um, did things like that when they were kids, whether they were um, seances or levitation or various other things. Because we, when I was a kid, that was really one of the more popular things that we enjoyed doing. Uh, I'm going to give a, um, a, a the guest call-in number. If anybody wants to call in and has a comment um, or a question of me or wants to talk about their experiences in relating to metaphysical uh, uh, cult experiences, Absolutely love to hear from you. Uh, that call in number is 646-200-3966. Again, that is 646-200-3966. Feel, feel, blah, 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 blah. Let me get these words out. Please feel free to call if you, uh, again, if you have a question or a comment or something to say. I welcome uh, all uh, perspectives. And hello, uh, Reiki Master. How are you today? I see you in the chat room saying hello and um, welcome. Uh, I am a. Uh, I don't have a, a lot of knowledge around Reiki, although I do have a number of clients, people I know who do use this, and I have recommended that to many people um, with some really uh, certainly good results. Uh, definitely an area of of a uh, study for me, of course, is alternative healing as well as as uh, studying oracles and, and understanding how to learn how to read people and use that information uh, to uh, help people. And I do also think that that Reiki is an excellent art form that is um, really a lot of people aren't aware of the the benefits that can come from uh, from from using these particular uh, type of skills. You know, and I, and this kind of brings up an interesting point. Um, you know, it's very funny because even, you know, I think for anyone who does Reiki, uh, this is a, a great example of a lot of people don't understand that there are so many alternative ways to heal. 
that are not really necessarily using uh, traditional medicine. There is certainly value in elements of traditional medicine. I'm absolutely not saying that there is not, but uh, there really can be a lot of benefits that come from working with someone who heals with, uh, with body energy and knows how to maneuver and move energy around in that sense. But, you know, it, it, one of the things, and, and this is probably part of the reason why I, I came up with the idea of, of calling my column and my show Snake Oil, was because we, you know, we have a perception in this society when people don't have knowledge and information about something, they tend to throw it into the snake oil category. And if anyone isn't familiar with the idea of where, where the, the terminology of snake oil comes from, you know, back in Depression and, and different times historically, there was kind of a, a negative reference to the snake oil salesman that would sell potions and lotions and various things that were meant to heal you. Um, so they were seen as, you know, uh, olden-time scam artists in that sense. But what people do not understand is because our beliefs form our reality, um, the, uh, and, uh, you know, really in essence what uh, sometimes people would absolutely take these potions and sometimes they wouldn't work, but many times they would because they simply believe that they would. And, you know, the same thing applies to if you go out into um, less, advanced areas where they do things like uh, where you have witch doctors and and people who uh, do psychic surgery and various things you know we've got shows on where they're attempted to expose these uh, people as charlatans but what is absolutely funny that people do not understand is that the success rate and the healing rate among these quote-unquote primitive people is often rather high when some of these um, things are performed. Because I think that for many of these witch doctors and, and, and witches and people that, um, uh, that do this, I think that they, in essence, often are doing something. They're doing a form of, of, of Reiki in the sense that they are moving energy around. And whether they use theatrics to really convince someone of it, if the person changes their belief and the body, in essence, changes, then they're healed. So again, the thing that's very funny is uh, people tend to kind of assume that the only way is, is through modern medicine, but there are many, very many uh, ways of healing that will potentially work. Uh, even in my own work, uh, you know, it's funny because I, I do counseling work with people. I'm kind of a spiritual counselor in that sense, and I have had a number of psychiatrists and psychologists that have come to work with me and have been kind of blown away by what I know and how I can help people uh, not being a quote-unquote trained psychologist, but, you know, to me, a lot of the wisdom that the Lakota Indians knew or that were known by the Vikings or, you know, the, the, the wisdom of the Tarot, when used correctly, i got to really paraphrase that, when used correctly, uh, is really brilliant and can help guide you. And Reiki, Master, you mentioned... Um, that the trust in God is a key factor, and I think you bring up a very, very valid point, uh, that, um, yeah, absolutely, trust in God, trust in your higher self, whatever your terminology for that is, is to know that there is a larger source that can help guide us and, 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 and steer us into health or happiness or fulfillment if we'll listen to what it tells us, in essence, to do and, and trust in that process. And I think, what did you mention here, too, about all the, then all the chargers of scams you said? <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's an amusing perspective. And I would have to say, you know, you know what's really funny? You, it, this brings up an interesting point. 
Um, a couple of months back, I remember flipping channels, and I absolutely was watching, um, I don't know if anyone's ever seen The 700 Club, and people have often asked why I would watch something like that. I don't watch it, obviously, religiously. I watch it more out of a curiosity. And it's very funny to watch this man. It's this guy with a really weird-shaped head, by the way, and his <laughs> female companion that sits next to him. And they pray for people in the audience. And, and, and you know what I mean? It's a very, very right-wing kind of religious type of thing. And they're always raising a lot of money. Needless to say, they're both incredibly wealthy. Here's anybody who doesn't know that. But um, what's so funny is I saw them do a piece about sh uh, psychic charlatans and how it was a devil's work and how it wasn't of God and all this stuff. And then in the next segment, they were basically praying for the audience and then they were calling out, someone in the audience has, a, um, has an issue with a lower back problem and God is sending healing energy to that area right now. And someone is having an emotional relationship crisis and God is fixing that right now. And I'm laughing as I'm watching this because I'm thinking to myself, what you guys do here is you, if you tag the word Jesus to it, it suddenly becomes quote-unquote of God. But if you don't have the Jesus tag and you're not following their perspective and sending them a check, then you, obviously it's some type of a charlatan or demonic type of work in the first place. So I, I have to laugh when I see these type of things too because I, I wonder if these people see themselves in a you know in some type of a healthy light but the truth of it is i also think that in many cases even in those contexts people do heal because they believe that they will heal so that's the funny part they do heal so uh you know in some cases obviously but uh you know it, it's not that they're necessarily wrong i think that what i i see with things like the 700 club and these different religious broadcasts is their viewpoint is so narrow that to me is really what this all boils down to. It's a narrow viewpoint. It's our way or no way. Not understanding that there are many ways to God and there are many ways to healing in that sense. Um, and uh, so what are you saying here, Reiki Master? Right? You can do Reiki and call Jesus as well. Absolutely. Uh, you know, the thing of it is, is I tend to steer away from a lot of talk about um, Christian uh, perspective and the only reason that I do is because I think that um, there's so much misinterpretation of, of Christian teachings and biblical passages that, that that's one of the reasons that I tend to steer away from it. I personally think that you know obviously Jesus was a brilliant um, teacher and obviously a, a, a very special um, you know avatar in that sense, there's absolutely no question in my mind that this is the case. But um, I think that we have so much, um, so much is used negatively in his name in that sense that to me, again, I think that it's one of those things that I, I tend to kind of steer away a little bit from uh, just because it, it gets kind of messy and a lot of misinterpretation there uh, that, is, that potentially can come up. But, um, yeah, absolutely, so right. Uh, the, the belief in healing itself is really the key, but I do think that when it comes to people who have skill in, in Reiki and things of that nature, it also has to do with their intention as well and their ability to move energy around in that sense. That's one of the things that I think, you know, sometimes when I tell people stories about my own childhood and my experiences with, um, with doing 
seances and levitation and various things, um, they they laugh because I think most people had a little bit of that. I tended to have a lot of it. In fact, even by the time I when I was about 18 or 19, I was actually teaching myself to do uh, past life regression and doing the regressions on my friends as well. And I had I was I was aware of past lifetimes even when I was a kid, and I kind of thought everybody did that. I didn't know that other people didn't have that awareness. I thought that that was kind of normal. So I guess it was kind of a natural thing for me to learn how to do past life regressions and to look at that. But what I think is so fascinating when you look back at um, when you look back at uh, at the at the the idea of the occult and all of this type of study, um, there's so much to it, and there's so many different areas to look at in that sense that, like I said, for me, it's such a fascinating thing that I was obviously tuned into at an early age uh, to want to develop and want to learn more about. Um, so I do think that there really is a lot to that. And we all have, I think we have a direction karma, obviously, or dharma, in terms of where our life is going to take us. So I may have been more prone toward looking at these types of things, and my interest in astrology and various other things came up fairly early on, and I began to study because I was kind of meant to do that in that sense. I do think that that is a significant uh, reality, that that was kind of that the direction I was, I was going. So I would imagine people in other branches of metaphysical skill and, and fields also have their own stories about where they uh, were, were predisposed toward uh, this type of work. I, I would assume that would be the case with you, Reiki Master, that there was certainly obviously a skill or an interest in healing that probably surfaced fairly young um, that is obviously kind of brought you on your path in that sense. Uh, so that there's no question in my mind that that, in essence, is the case. But what's funny is I'm in my early 40s, and when I was younger, I always like to joke about the fact that now when you go to a bookstore, you can go to a metaphysical section, you can go to a New Age section to find books, and there's a ton of books on those subjects, and pretty much every bookstore um, has uh, information on this subject. But when I was younger, in the 70s, early 80s or so, when you wanted to get books on uh, metaphysical themes of any sort, you had to go to the occult section, which, you know, I, I always remember being in the occult section and being a little bit afraid. Somebody might see me there and I would kind of get into trouble, which is, is very funny to look back on that now. And uh, there were bookstores that wouldn't even carry uh, some of these types of uh, uh, some of these types of studies and things whatsoever. So now, of course, it's such a huge market that, you know, to not carry it is absolutely insane. In other words, you know, uh, we, uh, you just, in essence, have to, have to look at it, and we, and we kind of call it by a nicer name at this point in the game. So what do I have? Let me see what you're saying here in this chat room. You were raised to in, into primitive medicine. We never went to hospitals. You never went to hospitals. Okay, I'm, I'm, I want to make sure my, any of my listeners know what I'm talking about here in case they're not in the chat room or listening to this later on in the um, archives. Uh, also, you never went to hospitals at all. That's, that's interesting uh, because that's definitely an alternative type of a thought process that you were raised around in, obviously, if you didn't have that type of, of use in hospitals. The total opposite for me in that sense. I was not raised... With, I was raised in a fairly quote-unquote normal environment, although my mother was really cheap because she had seven kids. 
and I'd say, yes, do a hospital. So I didn't go to hospitals more because we didn't really have that much money, and it was expensive raising seven kids. Um, and uh, so most of the time when we were ill, it would just sort of be like, you have to kind of get over this. Uh, so until I had an appendicitis when I was uh, 16, 17, and I had to go into the hospital. But I will tell you, it was actually a really good thing that I went into the hospital and had an appendicitis when I was 16, 17, and I'll tell you why. Because I made a decision right then and there that I never wanted to do traditional medicine ever again because of that experience. I hated it. It just was so weird being in the hospital and the way I was treated by the doctors, and I have to say there was one nurse that was an absolute sweetheart and wonderful, um, and that I will never forget her in that sense. She, to me, was more of a healer than even necessarily the doctors or the other nurses were. But I just hated the whole structure. It just struck me as absolutely uncomfortable and weird and wrong. And, in fact, the only, um, uh, the only uh, medicine that I actually use, not really for the most part, is I have used Reiki, and I use acupuncture and Chinese herbology to deal with illness in the, if I have illness in the process. I also don't get sick very often. Sometimes occasionally I get a flu maybe every two years or uh, a sinus infection maybe once a year, actually usually around this time of year, by the way, in Arizona. Um, everything's blooming. Um, but uh, I, I, don't I don't use modern medicine. Um, let me see what you're saying here, Reiki Master. You're one of the oldest of seven. Oh, that's interesting. I am the second youngest of seven. So I'm the baby boy in the family, uh, and which gives you a certain power. See, I always think that the, the older ones have more of a sense of responsibility just in terms of pecking order, whereas the younger, uh, the younger uh, children have a different type of, of, of perspective that often comes within a family. Um, I actually think the most difficult position is the middle when it comes to family position, and I think it's because they, middle children can't help get a little bit of that, um, mar why is everything about Marsha, Marsha, Marsha syndrome? I think they're often left out, and they don't feel like they have a primary role in the first place uh, as middle children. You know, the Marsha, Marsha, Marsha references is from the Brady Bunch, in case anyone isn't catching that. Uh, let me throw my call-in number in case anyone does want to call in and talk live. Uh, the chat room is certainly a valid way of asking questions or, or making comments as well. But if you do want to call in, we've still got another 15 minutes on the show, and that number is 646-200-3966. Uh, 646-200-3966. So, yeah, in relation to, uh, you know, family pecking order, absolutely. Uh, you know, I have a sister who is a middle child, and uh, we, we have joked about that for years, that she is still always trying to find her role. And now she's almost 50, but she still has not found her place within the family. You know what I mean? She doesn't understand. I think that if you're a middle child, then that is your place in the family. You know what I mean? That you were the middle. You were the one in the middle. You were the one that is the balancer in that sense. And I think that the oldest tend to be the most responsible and, and have to take charge and then, or the ones who go through the most difficulty first. And the babies often get, the younger often are treated kind of more special or are allowed to be more rebellious or, or often in my family were more quote-unquote loved according to the perceptions of my older siblings. Um, so there was certainly some interesting dynamics to that in growing up in a large family. And I think if anyone caught my last broadcast, I talked about my last broadcast from last month, which you can catch in the archive, was called Be Fruitful and Multiply. 
and actually talked a little bit about the subject of um, large families and the validity of it in this day and age when I'm not as much for it in that sense. I think that the large family thing is becoming a, a way of the past and, 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 and in many ways rightly so uh, simply because of the, uh, the context of there being too much of a burden of too many people on the planet to keep producing that way. But um, anyway, so pecking order in family is certainly an interesting thing to look at. But, uh, you know, back to, uh, again, the original point of my, well, it doesn't matter what I talk about. Whatever I talk about is, is what we're talking about. But the, uh, the interesting thing about um, this piece that I wrote about, why does a feather stiff as a board, is I really, I remember this very vividly. I remember even when I wrote it that I really did remember the experience because it was so um, powerful in that sense when, when we had it. We really did levitate and um, I know, um, even like I, I mentioned in there, the, the heavier uh, friend among us was levitated as well. And I think that really meant a lot to her in a way that was, was really beautiful. But we had done all kinds of experiments like that. In fact, I, I always think that one of the jokes that my friends used to make when I was a teenager, even into my early 20s, was that the joke was that Jim could see meaning in a pile of sticks. And... They used to say that, I think, sort of as an insult, that I found meaning in everything. But um, what a shocker for a Sagittarius to find meaning in everything, by the way. But, uh, but um, I, I considered it a compliment, and, and absolutely. I had this tendency to see patterns in things, in numbers, and uh, energy patterns. And uh, I would remember people's house numbers by adding the numbers up and reducing them to singular digits. I did that as a child and license plates and I would that was the way I stored information. I would add and, 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 and then reduce to a singular digit, which later on when I was about seventeen and I learned numerology and decided to study numerology, I found out that that was the way that numerologists uh, do numerology. So it's interesting, I was doing numerology when I was a child before I was ever exposed to numerology. And I, I have to say, you know, sometimes people think because of the the skill level that I have in terms of, of different oracle reading, I think a lot of people think that I kind of grew up in sort of like a psychic family. But, I mean, I really didn't. Uh, I grew up in a pretty normal mother and father Catholic family. And, in fact, my early years of studying metaphysics, and I studied a lot of channeling, Jane Roberts and the Michael material loved studying channeling, but I was studying oracles at a, at a fairly young age. I honestly, I hid that stuff. For the most part, a lot of those things were in my room, and I, you know, I mean, some of the subject matter, in essence to me, would, would have been potentially controversial to people. So I hid a lot of that information. And uh, uh, now, of course, you know, I obviously came out of the closet about my metaphysical ability a long time ago in that sense. But again, these were different times. And I, I did have a concern that it would be something that, that would upset my mother. Uh, obviously, my very, very uh, rigidly Catholic mother might be horrified, especially because I actually looked into things like witchcraft and um, stuff like that when I was about 15 or 16. It was really witchcraft, UFOs, Bigfoot, the more sensational elements of, uh, of, of, of metaphysics were, were really my first draw in that sense. And then I, I, I moved to uh, you know, things like tarot and astrology and 
uh, numerology and, and runestones, and I began to study oracles and, and channeling and look into different healing modalities as well. And that became my primary study in my late teens to early 20s as I was developing my skills. But I do think that, um, oh, and UFOs, that was the other thing I was into a lot when I was a kid in that sense. And those are interesting subjects to me, not really much of a fascination. I've got some theories about all of these things, of course, that I think are, are very valid. But I think I got more prone toward what, how could I use these skills, these tools in a very practical way? How could I take them and, and use them in a way that I could use in day-to-day life and help people with them in the most direct way? That's why I think that when I work with people, I help to fix people's heads and emotional bodies. And then I often will send them to someone who could work on their physical bodies. So very apropos for Reiki Master to be in my chat room today <laughs> making comments in that sense because, yes, I, that is not as much a skill that I have. So I tend to send people out to uh, people with those skills when it comes to working on the physical. So that is uh, obviously a very important thing as well. Uh, when, we, when we work on the self, we're looking at body, mind, and spirit. And, and so many people are not in tune with that, uh, with that process, that if one area is out of balance, then it will affect all the other areas. So if you're physically out of balance, of course, it's going to affect the emotional and psychological body, and, and vice versa. If you're emotionally out of balance, it potentially will affect your physical body. In fact, what I am good at is one of the things that I'm, I've really developed a skill in is I can often tell people what's going on emotionally and psychologically when they tell me what kind of physical symptoms they are experiencing. So where I would not necessarily do any type of healing work at a physical level with somebody, I can tell them at least what's going on psychologically and emotionally that's wrong and help them from that angle because I'm able to to recognize that. Louise Hay's book, You Can Heal Your Life, is a brilliant book, by the way, that helps to identify the psychological and emotional causes behind illness. And I think that when you work on illness from a emotional, psychological, spiritual, and physical angle, you're going to transform whatever that is, without question. You're, you're addressing it at, at multiple levels, and that is a very, very powerful uh, process to, uh, to to take, to participate in, to do, to uh, experience. And I think it's one of the things that's frustrating to me about modern medicine because I think that, you know, people go in for surgery and they go in to be, uh, to deal with illnesses and disease. And I think that um, absolutely the people, the doctors and the nurses, I really genuinely think they do want to heal. They want to help people. I I really do. I'm not so thrilled with the pharmaceutical companies. That's a whole nother story. (laughs) But uh, I think that um, the doctors and nurses genuinely want to heal. But I think the problem is when you're only addressing an issue from a physical level and not looking at the psychological and emotional levels, you're really, you're not working in in the most uh, valuable, uh, positive way because you're missing elements that are absolutely vital. Um, So, yeah, I do, I highly recommend uh, You Can Hear Your Life, and really most things by Louise Hay. Because if you look at Louise Hay, I think she's probably almost 70 now. And she's a great example of something that I like to remind people of. A lot of metaphysical people who really are into metaphysics and 
alternative healing and various things. One of the things that no one seems to notice about us is we look damn good as we age. Uh, the majority of us really age very, very well, and I think that has to do with clearing your energy field and your spirit and not getting caught in a lot of the traditional um, demands that people believe about aging. And I think Louise Hay is a great example of that. You know, I'm in my early, mid-40s. People tend to tell me I look like I'm in my mid-30s. I consider that very complimentary. It doesn't matter to me either way. But I think it has a lot to do with this healthy internal living um, as well as a reasonably healthy external living. You know, that is very, very key. So, yes, highly recommend Louise Hay. Highly recommend finding good Reiki masters to work with with healing body energy. And it isn't like that you can't still use modern medicine at the same time. But I think that when you when you work with um, a, a good Reiki master or acupuncturist or um, Jinshin Jitsu, there's all different types of, of, of healing modalities. I think that if you – I always recommend that people look into these other things while they're working – um, even if they are still using the traditional medical world in that sense. Uh, it certainly cannot hurt, and it is far more likely to help in that sense. There really are some, some brilliant healers, and I, I definitely recommend them. I, like I said, for me, my focus is really more on working with people psychologically and emotionally. Uh, in fact, let me um, – we're actually running down on time here. I've only got about three more minutes. So let me tell you that um, – my, about what my next show is going to be about um, on the 17th, I believe, on Tuesday. That would be my next show. I typically tend to do snake oil the first Tuesday of the month, and then about the third Tuesday of the month, I do an interview show. So uh, with someone who is um, uh, who is uh, got some skills and some talents in the metaphysical world. And this uh, coming uh, Tuesday on the 17th, I will be interviewing Debbie Little, who is a feng shui and space clearing master. And uh, she's got some really interesting things to talk about um, with feng shui as well as um, understanding what space clearing is about. So please uh, try to tune in live or, again, you can always listen to the archive uh, to the show on the 17th. And I will also mention that um, my book, Dirty Little Secrets, you just heard one of the passages from the book, uh, is available on Amazon.com. If you look up Dirty Little Secrets, Jim Ventura or just punch in Jim Ventura, you will find Dirty Little Secrets and you can order a copy. Um, I also, you can order directly through my website. That information is on my page if you want to direct order directly from me because I have copies here in my office and I will mail those out to you. Um, I'll even sign the book for you. It's a great book. And I uh, also have an audio uh, version of the CD. I recorded that last year and went into a studio and had a professional recorded. So if you can stand the sound of my voice, most people, I think most people can. Uh, if you can stand the sound of my voice, uh, it is kind of fun to listen to the audio CD because you get to, um, it's like listening to someone telling you stories. And I think there is something fun about that. Although I do always tell people that the audio CD, I, I was able to get it on one CD because it's a lot of stories. It's 34 essays. The way I was able to get it on one CD was to do it in a, in a little bit of a different format where you would, to play the CD, you would have to play it on a computer or you would have to play it in a, um, like it won't play in a regular CD player. Um, uh, there's, some, there's some kind of format that will work. But another thing that would work is playing in a DVD player. It's really, in essence, on a DVD. 
So if you put it in, in your DVR, in your normal television, you wouldn't have a picture, obviously, but you would have the sound, and you can listen to the, the stories that way through the DVD player, which is a fun way of doing it. So I highly recommend that. And those you can't get from Amazon, only the print copy of the book, which, of course, is certainly appealing for a lot of people as well. So, yeah, check out my book. It's a fun book. Anyone who has had any weird experiences um, or uh, is, has looked at alternative thought will we'll probably find Dirty Little Secrets to be very fascinating. And in a nutshell, the reason I wrote Dirty Little Secrets was because I think that um, I had a number of areas in my life that I had shame about. Uh, I was, it was uncomfortable being metaphysical, looking at things from a different angle and not being a quote-unquote correct Catholic boy. And in my case, I'm gay also. So, you know, all these things that I thought were quote-unquote wrong, I realized were not only, they were right, they were part of God. They were part of what I am and what I'm supposed to be. And now I've come into a healthy perspective on that. And Dirty Little Secrets is about my experiences um, along the way, and I think that women and gay men and and everyone will see themselves in my experience in some way, especially if you are um, a metaphysical person, even in the slightest kind of a way. So, anyway, it looks like we're running out of time. Thank you, Reiki Master, for your comments. Um, I have no doubt on my mind that you are very talented at what you do. So keep that up. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, check me out next time on the 17th, and I'm here twice a month. And you can catch me by email as well, questions or comments. Thanks for tuning in. Have a wonderful day.